Hello and welcome to The Consistency Project with E.C. Sienkowski. My name is Patrick Cummings, and every episode I have the distinct privilege of presenting E.C. with a question on subject matters that range from nutrition to fitness to the choices we can all make to live a healthier, more functional life. By exploring both the principles at play and the actions we're carrying out as a result, we aim to get you thinking, get you moving, and get you taking more consistent steps toward optimizing your well-being. Thank you so much for tuning in. How are you doing today, E.C.? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Today, we're going to dive into, well, originally, our idea was to dive into <laughs> USDA guidelines for nutrition, but we're going to do a little bit of a pivot, not even a pivot. We're going to go, we're going to take three steps back so that we can mm-hmm. take one step forward. Because as you dove into the research behind the USDA guidelines, you realize there was actually something that was worth talking about before we get into some of the details as to the guidelines. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. This is going to be kind of a part one of a part two. We're going to talk about what was so important that we need to take those three steps back to go forward. Before we do that, though, we want to make sure we give people a heads up on something. We're going to try something new. We're going to do a little experiment. We wanted to do a listener Q&A type episode. And so we're going to give it a try. We're going to kind of do it with a little bit of a twist. We're going to record it live. Why don't you give us a little heads up as to what we're going to we're going to try to do? Yes. You know, if technology allows us to. Yeah, so we're taking the questions for these Q&A episodes from listeners who are on my email list and that was the initial idea and then it was like, well, wait, why don't why don't we try to make this a little bit more interactive? So, mm-hmm. we're going to stream it live so it's just such such that people can join in and watch it and, you know, if they have follow-up questions, great, you know, let's get them in the mix and let's get them answered then. And so th- the first one that we're going to do is Wednesday, November 4th at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And the link will be sent to my email list right before it kicks off, about 15 minutes before. And yeah, it'll be recorded that way. And then, of course, if you're not able to attend, it's not like you're going to miss out on the content. It'll still be posted as a regular podcast episode. So the important thing, though, is to get on my email list, which I think we're going to post as a link in the show notes. Yep, we'll definitely do that. But though I would say that I think the most important thing is that I have to remember to shower beforehand so that I'm presentable. (laughs) That's if right. People are going to actually watch us do that. We're going to be okay. seen. Yes. Mental note. Yeah. Mental <laughs> note. We will have to wear our bestest clothes. That's All right. right. So, this conversation, let's get some background here. Let us, I'm going to intentionally use a food. Let's see how the sausage is made a little bit as it relates to these podcasts. Our original plan was to talk about the USDA guidelines for nutrition. What happened and what are we going to talk about today instead of that so that we can have that conversation in the next episode? Yeah. So, I had done this post about the USDA guidelines from 1980, which is the first year they released official dietary guidelines. And and the post was basically like, wow, these are really awesome, you know? And and there was a couple kind of thoughts in there. Like, you know, first, these really simple messages are still true today. But Mm. I think there's been this secondary narrative about the USDA and their guidelines that they got it all wrong. and, And that really they're the reason, supposedly, that we're all overweight and have this chronic disease epidemic. And and certainly through 2010, because I experienced it, there was this narrative in the blogosphere and some mainstream media that Mm. they were really the source of our problems and that we shouldn't be eating low fat. We really should be eating low carb, right? And it was the USDA and their food pyramid, all this stuff. So I think to kind of untangle this and to really truly evaluate the USDA guidelines, we need to understand in the here and now, (laughs) what's true about the physiology of low carb versus low fat? Like what is true? What should they have quote, you know, been recommending? And then in Mm. the next episode, we can actually look at the evolution of the guidelines and play armchair quarterback. 
Okay, so we're going to dive into kind of this conversation about low carb versus low fat. But first, you mentioned something in the 2000s, things started to maybe get a little bit haywire. And you know, you said the mm-hmm. blogosphere, which is, I don't know if that still exists these days, but it's basically the social media before social media. And so my question to you, all of that was, or is, is it the case of experts versus non-experts? And somehow we found ourselves listening to non-experts. And that's what sort of at least started us on a road that got us confused. Yeah, I think there is. And it's definitely something I'll touch on more. But I I think the idea there is there's something lost in translation. And I think this is Mm. true today. (laughs) And Mm. to look back and think that we were just doing it all wrong, you know, in the 80s or 90s. And to think that we're so great now is, is probably not correct. And that, yeah, there's definitely a narrative to tell in the media, right? I mean, media gets interest, having influence by something to say, something that people want to read, just saying very monotonous stuff, or like the guidelines are are these really basic things aren't going to get a ton of clicks or interest. And so we we do Mm. have to keep that in mind, you know, and I can even speak Mm. firsthand, there's, there's only so many days in a row that you can post fruits and vegetables that people are still going to be engaged. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that is, I imagine, true. Okay, so then there seems to be kind of one or two really big questions here as we get into this conversation about carbs versus fat. One is the conversation about calories and macronutrients, Mm -hmm. right? And or the conversation about which is better, low carb or low fat. Which Mm -hmm. one of those makes the most sense to dive into? Yeah, I I mean, I think we're going to kind of tackle it all because that's what I see in the mainstream media less so in, you know, actual scientific circles or these government guidelines, but it's these perpetual wars of like, do calories matter or do macronutrients Mm. matter, you know, or is it low carb or is it low fat? And the answer to all of those questions is yes. Mm. (laughs) One of the things I think people can do immediately to understand nutrition better is use the word and. Multiple Mm. things can be true at once. You know, calories matter and macronutrients matter. Low carb diets can work and low fat diets can work. You know, the body needs different nutrients, many of them in different quantities that vary based on a whole bunch of different factors like your size and activity level. And this is really the basis of my principle that it's it's never one thing. And, and so if we continue to try to boil down nutrition to one factor, like just worry about calories or just worry about fat, we will forever be confused. And I think this defines the mainstream media messaging and even marketing messaging quite well. Yeah, I imagine that that also translates to lots of other things, right? I think <laughs> <Yes>. about good <laughs> goodness, fitness, religion, mm-hmm. politics, mm-hmm. money. Like <laughs> anytime you've decided that the answer to something complex or complicated is simple, you're kind of setting yourself up to be confused. Yeah. Forever, right? Yeah. Yeah, especially once you get into the details and I think that's something that we're going to get into that some of these broad general messaging can be very useful. But once you want to drill down to a level of specificity, then we've lost some of its application. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So leaning into that idea of using and. So Mm -hmm. macronutrients matter and calories matter. What do we need to know about their relationship? What do we need to know about both of them together to go forward with this? Yeah. So to understand this kind of low fat, low carb war, you know, we have to understand (laughs) how they're related and how they're related specifically in health outcomes, especially like weight gain and obesity. Now we can also talk about chronic diseases, but we have to really look at this in terms of weight gain because that's one of the main issues that we're we're fighting. And this relationship between calories and macronutrients is really confusing to a lot of people. So we're going to try to do it here. (laughs) Calories and macronutrients are ways 
to measure the quantity of food that you're eating. And there is a relationship between them such that you cannot have one without the other. I think that's really important to remember. You cannot have one without the, one without the other. If you have a certain amount of calories, it's made up by a certain number of macronutrients. And if you have a certain number of macronutrients, it contains a certain number of calories. They go hand in hand. You can't have one without mm-hmm. the other. So we've got the macronutrients, right? Protein, carbon, fat. You know those, they're measured in grams typically, you know, 10 grams of protein, 10 grams of carbs, whatever it is on the package. Each of these macronutrients has a caloric value. Calories are a measure of energy. We get energy from food. This is really what metabolism is. We're breaking down the food to create energy. And super simple example of this, not totally exact, but you know, you eat an apple, there's a certain number of calories in it. You might get enough energy to walk around the block few times. Mm-hmm. Conversely, you eat ice cream, has a lot more calories, right? Maybe that gives you energy to walk around the block 30 times. I don't know, you know, not exact, but you're going to get a lot more mm-hmm. energy out of it. Now, when we talk about this energy that we're getting, we're not just talking about walking around the block though. You need energy for everything. You need energy just to have a heartbeat. You need energy to have your core temperature stay stable. To digest food, you need energy. To do all the errands, pick up your kids, do all the stuff around the house. And then of course, to work out, you also need energy. Mm-hmm. So. This is why there's a caloric equivalent to all the macronutrients. When you go to eat a steak or fries or whatever it is, how much energy do you get? And this is where we all know those values. One gram of carb is four calories of energy. Same for protein. One gram of protein is four calories of energy. And then one gram of fat is nine calories. So super simple math here. If I have 10 grams of carbs, 10 times four, I have 40 calories. You get the idea. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, now now we're getting into the part. I think this is that's the part where people get, this is the part where I think people start to get confused. Even though all calories, protein, carb, and fat can be used as energy, they are also used for things besides energy. And so this is where we get the phrase that not all calories are created equal. And that's true. The body will use protein, whether or not you want to call it in grams or convert it to calories, they're going to use, the body's going to use the protein for lots of different things. Protein is used for so many things. Enzymes, those are the molecules that make all of our reactions occur. Immune system components like antibodies, structural components like muscle, skin, nails, hormone manufacture, and so on. Proteins used for a ton of things. The body will use the carbs that you eat mostly for energy. There's a couple other uses, but mostly it's for energy. And it preferentially will use carbs for energy. And then fat. Fat gets used for components in cell walls. It helps you absorb vitamins. I mean, you need a certain amount for just maintaining your temperature and insulation and even protection of organs. And then, yes, you'll also use fat for energy. Mm-hmm. So while all of the macronutrients can be used for energy, generally just carbs and fat are. Now, this is partially because the body needs protein for so many other things like I just listed. And partially because we're not eating that much protein, right? So we have a lot of uses for it. And generally, we don't eat that much of it, especially when we're looking at standard American diets. Mm -hmm. So there's this like partitioning of the macronutrients. You know, protein gets used for protein things. Carbs get used for energy. Fat gets used for a few different things. And then energy. But overall, there's a certain amount of protein, carbohydrate, and fat grams that you need, right? And your body size affects this, but there's a certain number of protein, carbon, fat grams that's right for you. We can convert those number to calories based on what I just said. And not because they'll all be burned off as energy, but just so that we can quantify it. And this Mm -hmm. would be the total amount of calories that you need in your diet. 
say that it's 2,000 calories a day. So coming back to that phrase of all calories are not created equal, agreed. You know, just saying to somebody, eat 2,000 calories a day, that doesn't provide enough specificity because we need to know within those 2,000 calories, is there enough protein and fat to cover those other needs? You know, and then, you know, do those 2,000 calories also factor in other goals like muscle mass goals or performance goals or health goals, all this other stuff. So what the macronutrients give us is some greater granularity over all the outcomes we want, not just energy production. So to sum all of that up, which I know I've been talking for a little (laughs) bit here, a little bit of a stretch, but calories matter. And how those calories are divided up into the macronutrients allows us to have finer control over outcomes we want, like performance, like health optimization. And it's, and really, we don't just care about energy production overall. You know, we're not just talking about like how to live with a heartbeat. We have some other goals and that's really where this macronutrient control, you know, what that gives for us. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I think my first question there, or my question there is when you talk about that specificity and a need for specificity, When people get, and this is mostly a a question because I've never done it myself, when people go to say a nutritionist or a nutrition coach and they get their macro count, Mm -hmm. is that attempt at saying, okay, what are your specific goals? What is your specific lifestyle? Your fill in the blank, fill in the blank, fill in the blank. And then with that, you kind of can create a more specific prescription, nutrition prescription off of that. Is that how you would get to the kind of specificity that you're talking about, whether it's you need 2,000 calories, you need 2,500, you need 1,500, et cetera. Yeah, a lot of this, it is. A lot of the swing in how much calories we need, most of the variation between people, you know, besides genetics and age, which matter, but like activity varies a lot, right? Yep. You know, if you look at somebody like a Matt Fraser versus, you know, a sedentary American, we're going to have thousands of calories that differ between the two. And, and that's part of what the macro coach is doing is like, okay, especially if they're within a certain community, right? Like, oh, my community, they tend to have this type of activity level and this is mm-hmm. the type of activity training they do. So they need a little bit more like that. So that's definitely what they're doing. I think ideally what a macro coach is also doing should be looking at food preferences to maybe skew the diet a little bit high carb or a little bit high fat, just depending on what foods they like within the calories mm-hmm. they need. So there's some of that. But I think there's also something that gets lost in a little bit of this, and and it will come up as we continue, but we have to remember a couple things about food. It's a mixture of nutrients, so you never Mm -hmm. just eat straight carbs. You never just eat straight protein. I mean, I guess you can if you look at some powders, but when we're talking about food, that's not how whole foods exist. Mm -hmm. So... If you do a diverse array of whole foods, you tend to get a mixture of macronutrients anyway that start to kind of settle out that's kind of moderate. (laughs) And then two, that also works really well with sustainability. The more that you try to skew your ratio to these extreme degrees, which we see with some fad diets, the less someone's going to stick with it. So once we factor in kind of how whole food exists and how people can stick to a diet, we normally end up with a pretty balanced macronutrient ratio, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, we've been talking about carbs and fats and calories. Maybe the question is like, what does this actually look like in real life? How does this actually play itself out? How should it play itself out when we're at the dinner table? Yeah. I mean, I think this is something that's really important to keep in mind. We can read about the physiology. We can understand about the, all these different reactions and what happens during starvation or what happens in protein excess and all this stuff. And it's like, okay, well, let's look at what actually is happening with most mm. Americans, right? We have 
food abundance. We don't have to worry about like starvation for the most part, especially people living, listening to this podcast, right? We're living in food abundance. We've got 70% of people are overweight or obese, according to the CDC. Mm-hmm. So there's this certain amount of calories that we need and, and we're clearly overshooting it. You know, maybe we need 2000, but we're eating 2,500 or something. And let's be clear about what those extra 500 calories are. It's not turkey breast and ground chicken. <laughs> you know, we're, it's not protein that's the problem. We're overeating those mm-hmm. processed foods, the chips, the cookies, the bars, whatever it is. And when we look at those processed foods, the chips and the cookies, most of the calories in them are from carbs and fat. You don't need all that energy. You, you're just not walking around the block that many times, right? So what is your body <laughs> going to do with it? Well, it stores it as, as fat. Mm. Now, we're going to get into a little bit of detail here because I think what gets misinterpreted, and I know I misunderstood this for a bit, is that excess carbs are converted to fat. And at a high level of intake, yeah, but it's a really inefficient process. And, and it's more so that excess carbs prevent fat from being used as energy. And it's mm. just directly stored instead. And, and the reason that I want to go through this example is I'm sure you've heard about you know, fat burning and low carb diets are fat burning. It's important mm-hmm. to understand that that doesn't necessarily equate to losing weight. And so we're actually going to step through a math example here, but I'm going to keep the numbers real simple because of warning, audio. <laughs> warning, warning, math. Yes, math okay. ahead, math ahead. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Suppose that you need 2,000 calories a day. I said that a couple of times. Like, just let's say that's our, that's our baseline. Yep. Now, instead, you decide to go ahead and eat 300 grams of carbs and 300 grams of fat, which is over 3,000. I think it's closer to 4,000 calories. We're ignoring protein for the moment. That's fine. So you're eating 300 grams of carbs, 300 grams of fat. Your body will first use the 300 grams of carbs for energy. So that's 300 grams of carbs times four to get to calories. That's 1,200 calories of the 2,000 that you need. So Mm -hmm. you still need 800 more. So where are you going to get those 800 from? You're going to get them from fat. 800 calories divided by nine. It's about 89 grams of fat. And so that means the other 211 odd grams of fat that are remaining from what you ate will be stored as fat. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's kind of that scenario. But let's say now you want to go low carb so that you, quote, burn more fat. In this case, Mm -hmm. instead of eating 300 grams of carbs and 300 grams of fat, you're going to eat 50 grams of carbs and 300 grams of fat. So again, your body's going to burn through those 50 grams of carbs. That's 50 times four or 200 calories. But you need 2,000 calories. You still need 1,800 more calories. That's going to come from fat. 1,800 divided by nine, you're going to use up 200 grams of fat and you ate 300. So that means Mm -hmm. the remaining 100 grams will be stored as fat. Now, compared to the last example, in the last example, you stored 211 grams of fat. In this example, you're only storing 100 grams of fat. So Mm -hmm. yes, you burned more fat relative on the low carb diet, but you were still eating too much overall. You're still storing it, right? And therefore you'll still gain weight. And so this is why if you cut your carbs and the fat is still too high, you don't necessarily have weight loss. This is why we don't always have success on low-carb diets. And so when you're concerned with weight loss and weight control, it is more useful to stop thinking about it as carbs versus fat and to use that and word again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We're going to think about the total calories coming from carbs and fat as our energy reserve. And if we eat too much, if we don't need all the energy, it will be stored as fat. Got it. So just so that I'm clear, when you say 
fat because it's one of it's just mm-hmm. the, the word just means so many things it's kind of like energy i was thinking yeah. that too when you first started talking about energy it's like why do we use the same word to mean different things it's not smart yeah but so when you say fat and when you in in that example are you saying the fat that is in what we assume is probably mostly processed foods of some kind and not like they're jamming on avocados all day long or does that not even matter to the degree that you want to make the point yeah i i love that question and It doesn't matter in the sense that if you eat too many avocados, we have the same problem. Mm. Where it differs, though, is it's really hard to eat too many avocados. (laughs) And this is the the beauty of whole foods. Yeah, because they go bad so fast. (laughs) That's true. That's 100% (laughs) true. You have your four-minute window. But yeah, this is the beauty of whole foods is you only eat so many avocados. You only eat so many carbs from fruits and vegetables before you are physically full and don't want any more. And so while overeating avocados, you're in the same problem as overeating butter-coated popcorn. We just don't find it. It's the butter-coated popcorn that we eat too much of, and then we get into that excess mode, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So, you know, thinking again about the and, where mm-hmm. do we go from here as it relates to this conversation about carbs and fat? What's next? Yeah, so, you know, we've got this low-carb, low-fat war. There's really two problems with it. One of them we just went through in detail. You know, we can't think about it as either or. We have to look at the total number of calories coming Mm -hmm. from both. And if we want to lose weight, we have to make sure that we're focusing on whether the total of them is coming down and that if we keep looking at one, we're still in the same problem. Okay. The other issue about this kind of low-carb, low-fat war out there is we have to remember that we're talking in relative terms. So, When we're giving like broad guideline recommendations, as they do in the USDA guidelines, and they say something like eat low fat or eat low carb, relative to our current standard American population and looking across a broad population, that's really accurate, right? Mm -hmm. The, The problem with these statements, though, these relative statements is they're not super actionable at the individual level. So, you know, if I'm gonna go implement a low carb diet like how low you know just lower than where i am now and and how <laughs> yep. many carbs do i need you know we we had to say in the prior example i needed 2000 calories a day we have to set a reference baseline somewhere and that number varies genetics size activity all this stuff and so just telling someone to eat low carb it's like okay well what are they currently eating is that too much or too little relative to their needs It doesn't work at the individual level because we have to look at the individual context to determine the specifics. And so this kind of low-carb, low-fat war out there is, I like this example, Patrick, if if I had really (laughs) strong opinions about how you should spend your money without Mm -hmm. knowing your income, budget, or financial goals, you know, like, Mm -hmm. Patrick, you really need to save more money. And you're Mm -hmm. just like, well, how do you know? You know, how do you know what I'm saving right now? You know, what is yep. yeah, how do you know what my income is, what my other expenses are, or even things like what I want my retirement to look like, right? And instead, I'm yep. just like, no, 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 Patrick, spend less. <laughs> it's just right. kind of irrelevant without the context of the other things that really matter. And so at a population level, yes, we need to be eating less carbs and fat. But specifically for you individually, we're gonna have to look at some other factors. Yeah, that's so interesting that it's so hard to recognize when there is a prescription that is globally accurate, but maybe individually 
I don't know what the right. No, not accurate. Slightly less accurate. This right? is, and it's it's yeah. interesting to think about all of the things that are probably like that, mm-hmm. right? That are yeah. Then this makes sense if you look at the entire country, mm-hmm. but it doesn't make sense necessarily for you. And then working on okay, well, how do I break that down? How do I understand that enough to know where that guideline makes sense or where it doesn't make sense? This is actually. Like, I love that you brought up that point. This is actually one of the biggest problems with research because Mm. means or averages do not describe the individual. There's a lot of biological variation with people. And when we take the average of any characteristic, we now no longer have the value that is specific to the individual. (laughs) And yet we compare Mm -hmm. things based on means, like what happens to this group that had an average number of calories, right? Well, you know, now we kind of have taken it out of context. And so this is a really big issue that, yeah, at the individual level, something is is lost from these broad guidelines for sure. Yeah. An obvious question is, given everything that we've been talking about that you just said, it is also true that people had success, whether they're on a low carb diet or a low fat or mm-hmm. flip that high, you know, high, high fat and, and, and whatnot. So how do you, how do we square that truth? Yep. Exactly. Yeah, people for sure have been successful in low carb or low fat. And, and you have to remember that we're eating both, overeating both, right? We're eating too many carbs and too many grams of fat. And to also think about it, though, and I think we touched on this, yeah, we did already, is that how it shows up in processed foods, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you were to go low carb relative to processed foods, you ultimately cut out chips, ice cream, cookies, and, and guess what? That carries a lot of fat with it too. Mm-hmm. And so when yep. we sometimes look at one factor, we don't necessarily see the entire picture. And so it doesn't always go right. This is why low carb diets don't always go right. But yet mm-hmm. some people will have success because they ultimately end up reducing the multiple factors that are a problem in their diet. And so this is why we have a lot of variable outcome from them. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been talking almost exclusively about weight loss, but mm-hmm. and, and you mentioned it or hinted at it, that there's always quite a bit more to it than that, right? There's heart disease, there's cholesterol, there's fill in the blank, fill in the blank, fill in the blank, all the things that we, we've talked about a number of times. Where does that fit into this conversation and these ideas? Yeah, I mean, these guidelines that they get put out are are for obesity, are for, you know, people losing weight, but they're also to prevent the chronic diseases that are yeah. so commonplace today. And, you know, I we already did that podcast on kind of redefining health. And, mm. you know, it, it, we kind of hinted at this a little bit. But when we have obesity, when we have weight gain, these other diseases tend to crop up as well. We tend to see diabetes. We tend to see high cholesterol. We tend to see heart disease. And really there's this relationship here because you're eating too much and the body has to figure out what to do with all this stuff. <laughs> like mm-hmm. You don't mm-hmm. need all this energy. We got to put it somewhere. So fat becomes the first storage site, but, but genetics come into play here because some people have the genetics to store a lot of fat and others don't. And so if you don't have a lot of fat storage capacity, or when you hit your genetic limit of fat storage, there's nowhere for this excess energy to go. And so it stays in circulation. And this is why then we have, you know, maybe high blood glucose, or maybe we have high triglycerides, or we have high cholesterol. Like you kind of think about it as like the system is backing up all the energy, all the nutrients in our food, we can't store it anymore. So it's just staying in circulation. And so this is why Mm -hmm. combined with the fact that we have the genetic variation terms of fat storage is that you can have, you know, 
people that are, quote, normal weight, but are quite sick. They don't have the genetics to store it in fat, and instead it's just staying in circulation, and then we have the chronic diseases in that case. Got it. Okay, so we've been talking a lot about calories, for lack of a better term, right? And Mm -hmm. it makes me think of the, at least in in the worlds that we kind of operate in, the, the perpetual discussion, conversation, disagreement over, well, quantity matters more than quality, Mm -hmm. is given the fact that we've exclusively talked today about quantity, is part of what you're saying, part of what you're arguing is that that's more important or that's the most important in this relationship of quantity versus quality? Yeah. I mean, we have to be careful not to kind of pin ourselves back into this either or hole, you Mm -hmm. know, corner. Mm -hmm. It's still quality and quantity matter, right? Like we have been talking about quantity and it's to explain this relationship of calories to macronutrients. And while we're going down that rabbit hole, we we can't lose sight of the fact that we also need micronutrients in all of these processes, not just to produce energy, but to have some basic functions like eyesight and, you know, immune health and all this other stuff. And so, yeah, caloric control is super important, but it's not going to be the only thing. We need to make sure that we have all of the the micronutrients as well. But I I would say that once we have caloric control, the ratio of macronutrients, especially for weight and to some degree health outcomes becomes a little bit less important. You know, the ratio is going to matter, and I hinted at this already, but will matter more for performance and sustainability and maybe health optimization. Because if, for example, if you want to go all protein and fat, you won't get a lot of carbs. So it's going to be harder to get all the vitamins and minerals. But this exact like, well, no, 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 I think you should be, you know, 35% carbs and 25% fat and the balanced protein. And then no, 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 it's 40 to, you know, 50 or whatever it is. Like that starts to get not to matter as much once mm. we're within the content context of caloric control. So if we have caloric control, we're getting the essential levels of protein and fat and, you know, of course, the micronutrients that we need from whole foods to make up those kind of essential levels of protein and fat, the relative ratios of macronutrients of high versus low don't really matter that much for some outcomes. Yeah. As we wrap up this conversation about carbs and fat and Mm -hmm. calories, any questions that I didn't ask or anything you want to make sure we get in here before we wrap up? I don't think so. I think we're ready to to get into the USDA guidelines. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, cool. So we'll get into the USDA guidelines for nutrition in our next episode. But until then, do make sure that you are on the Optimize Me Nutrition email list so that you can submit your questions and so that you can get a link to staring at EC and I as we chat when we do our first live Q&A. And that's going to come up soon. And until then, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much to everybody who leaves ratings and reviews. They do help. And we will see everybody on the next episode of The Consistency Project. Hi, all. EC here. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the show. Thank you as well for all the support for the five-star ratings and the reviews and for telling your friends or family about the podcast that really does help the podcast grow. And if you want to get the most recent info from me and be up to date on all of my content, the best place for that is my email list. So you can subscribe at optimizemenutrition.com email. I send out emails weekly-ish, <laughs> and that's also the best place to get your question in the queue for Quick Bites episodes. So again, that's optimizemenutrition.com slash email, and there's also a link in the show notes.